0: Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Anatomy of Tone. I've been away for a couple of weeks. I've been adjusting to a new schedule at SUNY Purchase where I'm a professor. I'm teaching another day up there this year, another uh, afternoon of master classes in composition and recording. That's put me back a little bit with the podcast and trying to get on a consistent schedule. But I'm back and this week I have a really exciting pedal to talk about. I've heard of of the pep box for a long time which is one of the early fuzz pedals it was originally designed in 1966 by Pepe Rush in London uh, Pepe was making a lot of audio gear amplifiers and he was into the pro audio world too working on mixing boards compressors somebody asked him how to create or that they wanted a distorted sound and they brought brought him a fuzz box which probably was the maestro fz-1 and he made his own version of that which although it's based off the maestro philosophy it does have its own sound but it also has some of the characteristics that many players, including myself, love from the maestro. A company called WEM Approached Pepe about a licensing deals. Pretty much, they would. Well, I think in the early day, actually, Pepe was still making them because WEM didn't have the facilities to be able to manufacture the Pep box. So they were Pepe was making them, and then they were selling them. Eventually, WEM started manufacturing themselves, and over time, they stopped paying him royalties, and then they started changing the design and doing shady things, and they fell out. Which is just, I mean, well, <laughs> I've seen this happen with uh, with a, a few companies and it just always baffles me the lengths that they go to sometimes to rip off the original designers and not pay their royalties. It's just kind of crazy. I mean, you know, was, I don't know what the deal was, but I, I can't imagine that it was that bad of a deal for WEM that they weren't still making a profit off of it. Well, Pepe never went after them. I think he just... I'm not sure why he didn't, uh, but maybe he just didn't want to deal with the conflict and the hassle of it, so uh, WEM got away with it. One thing to note about that, though, is that if you're looking at the old pep boxes, there is a shift at one point when it moved away from the original circuit, so it's not super easy to just buy an old one and think that you're getting... The exact sound that Pepe had uh, created with his original Pet Box, which happened with a lot of pedal companies throughout the years. The Maestro went through some changes, and as we know, the Tone Bender went through numerous phases. But I feel like with the Tone Benders, they have different personalities and characters through the different generations of them. But they—I uh, don't know—it wasn't like the same situation where financial um, interest outweighed the sonic integrity of the pedal which is one of those things I feel probably happened with the Pet Box so the Pet Box is is best found in its original form and they're hard to find they for whatever reason weren't as known as well as some of the other fuzz pedals the fuzz faces came on the market and they became really popular as well as the tone benders and the big muff eventually there's a lot of these fuzz pedals that we know about a lot partly because somebody famous started using them and we associate Them with it. Now, the Beatles are pictured, or John Lennon was pictured with a pet box in the studio, and there are a lot of users of the pet box. We just don't know them as much as we do some of the others, but it's a shame because it's one of my all time favorite fuzz pedals. I love it. I think it's such a cool sound. Luckily for us, Pepe's daughter, Lucy Rush, is still making a faithful reproduction of the original circuit designed by Pepe. In fact, they used to make them together while he was still alive so he has trained Lucy and they spent a lot of time together and she really knows the intention of what he wanted in the sound and she knows what it was supposed to sound like it's coming right from the source and that's pretty rare to find these days when when you think of fuzz pedals or any pedals most pedals are removed from their original designers at this point so although we have some amazing builders who are making really faithful recreations of old circuits we don't really have many that it comes right from the source where they're connected to the heart and the intentions of the original designer that's really special that lucy is still making this circuit in the original enclosure and using new old stock parts the pep box is the real deal it's the closest that you can get to building a time machine going back to 1966 and buying a brand new pep box and plugging it in and hearing it for the first time it's pretty exciting to have that experience now Lucy is also making a version 2.0 that has a smaller enclosure that's a little more pedal board friendly for modern guitarists that have multiple pedals on their board I liked just the vintage style casing I don't have very big pedal board even though I do blogs and podcasts about pedals I tend to curate a smaller pedal board for gigs rather than having a larger pedal board with a bunch on so I'm swapping pedals in and out more often than I have like one big permanently laid out pedal board but the 2.0 version a lot of people who have bigger pedal boards or want to conserve on space will like this a lot because it has a smaller enclosure as I mentioned and the knobs are on the top as opposed to being in the back like the original as well as two jacks for the input and output one for each but basically on the original pep box there was a cable that was wired into the pedal that went to your amplifier you'll find this with a couple vintage effects such as the range master that used to put on top of your amplifier the cable was actually already installed in the pedal to the output and you would just plug into it so the 2.0 version allows you to have the input and output jacks like you would on any other pedal as opposed to the pre-wired. I would say it's like a four or five foot cable that's attached to the original version of the pet box and I'm pretty happy with that version because I just I'm old school and I just really like to get as close to the historical version as possible but they sound the same right and also the 2.0 does accept uh, power supply I'm a bit of a stickler with power supplies and fuzz pedals I use Panasonic cheap batteries and picky about the battery and I like to run all my fuzz pedals only on batteries but, but Lucy has thought about the future a bit and how some players want to have access to using a power supply and maybe have their pedals wired in such a way that it wouldn't be easy to unplug the input jack in between gigs and sessions. To demo the pep Box, I decided to try to use it in a couple of different contexts, not just in the retro style, although that really tickles my fancy just to plug it into a vintage amp with the vintage spring reverb and get those early 60s sounds which I do have a few examples for you to hear it in because it's just Fabulous. Nothing quite does it like that. Maestro is out of business. Gibson reissued some in the 90s, which are actually very good. I have one, but they're hard to find, and some of them are a bit finicky. The Pet box is less finicky, which I'm already finding fabulous because it means it's a little more predictable on gigs and sessions. But the pedal can also be used in so many other applications, which I'm going to show you how... It can be used with processing, and so you can hear it without the processing, paired with different amplifiers and different guitars and effects, So just so you're getting a a sense of the multi-uses that you can actually use this pedal on. I'm now using a new microphone that I absolutely love for electric guitar amplifiers. It's from a company called Toll, and they're made in Cape Town in South Africa. It's called the G12, that's the model of the microphone. This mic was specifically designed to be used on guitar amplifiers on axis, pointed at the center of the cone, one to three inches away. It uses a dynamic feedback circuit that eliminates the high frequency buzz that most mics, like a 57, or even like, if you're trying to put a condenser mic that close sometimes, you just get this fizziness at the center of the mic, which is, it's just too harsh. And it sucks because sometimes you wanna get the transient that exists in the center of the cone, but you don't want that fizziness. And Toll has really solved this issue, which is so wonderful. Also, this mic takes EQ so well, Often I'm fighting with EQ when I'm using a 57 or another mic to deal, of course, with the fizziness, but then I might want to boost other frequencies, and it still seems to bring out the fizziness in ways that I don't like but the toll G12 seems to take EQ so well I find that like when I'm using on an API console I'm just adjusting EQ as I'm recording in that as I'm pushing the higher frequencies and I'm playing with the EQ settings it just sounds really great it can take high-end boost and sound nice and clean and clear but not harsh and this even goes with like fuzz pedals and high-gain amplifiers clean guitar tones where the transients are super fast and sometimes they're just too bright and and harsh it just does all the right things to the guitar amplifier and this is a really well thought out microphone so for all the examples that I'm going to play that are using a microphone and I'll mention which ones they are I'll be using this whole G12 microphone for these examples I thought I would also use this time to discuss some techniques about composition as I'm using the effects because I feel like for me the effects are a lot about considering sounds so if i'm orchestrating something for you know let's say a a symphony i know how the oboe sounds or i know how the bassoon sounds and as i'm writing parts i'm trying to audiate and imagine like what those textures with those sounds would be like with the chosen instrument i think the same is true in the studio when i'm considering guitar sounds i'm thinking about them beforehand i'm not just randomly picking guitar sounds as i'm producing a song i'm considering okay this will sound great with a fuzz tone with this guitar into this amplifier it's in the same way i'm thinking about okay this part should be played by the violas right so the same thing goes for guitar sounds i wanted to tie in a little more of the compositional and creative side of using this gear to demonstrate it i'm going to start off with my original idea which is a pentatonic based riff and i'm going to develop that idea compositionally and talk about how many ways i didn't even get to all the ways we can rethink or retool this idea to turn it into Other ideas. In other words, a lot of times when we're trying to compose, we feel like we have to constantly be coming up with new ideas. But often there is a lot of meat on the bones with our one initial kernel or idea or inspiration that we could then change it and move it around. And that way it stays in the same family but we are able to morph it instead of coming up with completely new ideas. And this is a technique that a lot of composers have been using for hundreds and hundreds of years in order to extend or prolong material, to have one idea and to make it go a lot further. I'm going to talk about that for each of these examples. Let's start with example one. In this first example, I was using a Gibson ES-335 with Voodoo 59 humbuckers in it. I was running that into the pet box, and then that was going into a Headstrong Little King reverb. I was using the reverb on the amp. I have the toll G12 on it, and that was running into a Purple Audio MC77 compressor and an API 312 preamp. The purple MC77 and API are going to be consistent throughout this recording. I run everything through them. Even if I'm not compressing very much at all, I really like the sound of audio passing through the MC77s. So there's times where the needles just not even moving, but running through the transformers, the circuitry it just adds more weight and depth to the sound. You're going to hear the main motif that all these examples are based on. In the background, it's playing a riff as there's a solo on top of it. And then there's a rhythm guitar that's just playing hits every once in a while. This, in my mind, is obviously going towards that 60s psychedelic tone. the pet box in this setting has a woodwind like quality to it because the way it's attack works and the way that the sustain dissipates it reminds me of in the low guitar part it reminds me of a bassoon and in the high part depending on what pickup you're on it could get us into the clarinet range I think that's an interesting distinction to make with fuzz pedals to think about I don't know what sort of instrument their texture reminds you of and some overdrives or fuzzes might give you more of a cello or a violin like effect depending on the attack and release on it and some are going to put us more in maybe a brass setting or more of a, a woodwind setting this is good to put in your mind library so that later on when you're thinking about orchestrating and production then you can associate these tones with it and this is how i work with sounds and effects I'm going to now switch to a Fender Bass 6 that is going to run into an Ampeg V48 tube head that's going to run into a universal audio aux. I'm going to use the pep box after the bass 6 into the Ampeg and I'm going to play this same figure which by the way is based on a minor pentatonic riff. In the previous example you heard the riff and then you heard me improvising a guitar solo on top. I was using the 335 for all the guitars in the previous example. The hits on the guitar in the background, I rolled the volume knob back a little bit just to take some of the saturation off the fuzz and get more attack. Okay, let's listen to the bass 6. Almost a tickling like effect that we get from the type of fuzz that we get from the pet box with the bass. I was using a pick with the bass six, by the way. I'm going to stick with the low-end side of the fuzz spectrum. I'm now going to use a Fender P bass with flat-wounds into the pep box, into the Ampeg, same signal chain. This time, I'm going to use a technique called diminution with the rhythm, which basically means I'm stretching the rhythm out. So what was a quarter note now becomes a half note. What was an eighth note now becomes a quarter note. This is a way to take a familiar motive, riff, and reinterpret it in a different context. I'm going to take it a step further by changing the context of the sound. So I'm going to add a Chase Bliss CXM 1978 to this and use a lot of Hall Reverb with some gentle modulation on it to put us more in an ethereal or slightly sci-fi world. It's cool as if we want to add some harmonies on top of that, there's more space for us to move around or prolong the harmonies than there were in the first example where it was a lot faster. That's so fast, we can't really put a lot of ornamentation in between each of those notes. But with this example and using diminution, we have more time that we can create create some movement in between each of the root note changes. Let's listen to that example with the reverb only and then I'm gonna play the example with just the dry signal only so you can hear what it sounds like with the P bass into the pet box into the Ampeg. fan of the Chase Bliss CXM 1978 for those late 70s, early 80s sci-fi, drenched reverb sounds. Let's listen to the dry sound now. What's interesting is now hearing it dry, it puts it in a different perspective of maybe the intention of the riff. Having the reverb, a really big, large hall sound, uh, sets you in a place, right? Or or gives you a specific visualization of what the content of the scene might be, or the imagery that that sound is setting up And dry, gives us a different collection of imagery, right? And I think about that a lot when I'm pairing effects and I'm producing a song. What is the context? What is the meaning of the music or with the pitches with the rhythm what are they trying to convey in relation to the music I'm gonna pair a T's picture wah with the pep box Use a Stratocaster with FSC 59 pickups in it and we're going to run into a Victoria 35 115 tweed amp which is their version of the tweet Pro it has a 15 inch speaker in it which I really like I am miking the cab with the toll t12 This is a slight variation on the original motive that I had. I'm improvising or I'm extending the line a little bit. So instead of it being a straight two-bar phrase that's repeating over and over again, I'm making a little bit of a longer phrase with some variations in it. also using the Valhalla Room Reverb on that which is one of my favorite plug-in reverbs. For a lot of these examples I was using Outboard Analog or Outboard Digital Gear but there are some plugins that I really do love and Valhalla makes some of my favorite reverb and delay plugins. For the next example using the same signal chain of the Stratocaster and the Pepbox and the t and the Pro and the Toll Microphone I'm going to use a technique that's called retrograde which means I'm basically gonna flip the motive backwards and play it backwards and this is different than just hitting reverse on an audio file in your DAW which will then reverse the whole phrase I'm literally physically playing it backwards <laughs> there's magic that happens with certain fuzz boxes when you roll down your guitar volume to varying amounts some fuzz pedals don't respond well to this at all so it is specific to the design of the circuit the pep box has a really interesting sound as you roll back the volume knob it gets a little less compressed and the attack changes a little which i'm a fan of let's listen to i'm going to play that same retrograde motif but i'm going to roll back the volume knob on the stratocaster just a hair brings out a really cool quack in the guitar sound when paired with the wah even without using the wah i like rolling the volume now back a little bit especially when getting some of those spaghetti western ennio morricone sounds to find that paired with a specific reverb gets us more in that camp i believe that those recordings were made with a maestro fc-1 Some people say it's a fuzz rate. I don't believe it's a fuzz rate to me. It sounds like a maestro plugged into a tweed Harvard and used with a Stratocaster. This really nails that sound in a very similar manner. Anytime I'm going for that spaghetti sound, I'm using the pep box because it just does so wonderfully when you roll the volume out back a hair. I'm going to switch guitars and amplifiers, I'm going to use a Gibson Les Paul with Voodoo 59 pickups in it, I'm going to run into the pep box and I'm going to run into a Marshall SV20H head and that's going to go into the Universal Audio Aux and into the Purple API setup. The Aux is pretty great, it still doesn't fully replace an amplifier to me. For most of my sounds I'm still using the Toll G12 and paired often with an AEA ribbon microphone To get my core guitar sounds, but there are certain sounds it's just not practical to do in my recording environment. That in particular has to do with a cranked bass amp and a cranked Marshall. It just can't push those levels of volume. Even with the 20 watt Plexi, it's still pretty loud. For those tones, I'm using the aux, and I'm actually using an Ampete 88S amp switcher that allows me to route any of my amplifiers either to the aux or to the speakers. If I have to do a guitar overdub late night, I can't use my amplifiers, then using the Ampete, I can just route my cabinet or my amp to the aux as opposed to the cabinet that's associated with the amplifier. So it gives me a lot more flexibility in the studios, even though a lot of times with those amplifiers, I'm still using the speakers. There are times where I do have to use them through the aux. I'm going to use a technique called inversion for this. We're going to take our original motive, and I'm going to analyze it. I'm going to say, okay, well, the first two notes, it goes from the root note up a minor third, up to the fourth. So if I just analyze even those three intervals and then I go in the opposite direction with them so I go from our root note, then I'm going to go down a minor third, then from the root note I'm going to down a fourth. So it's one minor three four in the opposite direction that's how we get inversion and it's cool because it takes our motive and makes us sound completely different. You'll find that if it's in a minor key it'll sound major if you invert it. If it's in a major key it'll sound minor if you invert it. It's a nice technique to take again. I um, idea that you have and be able to stretch the material. Keep the same guitar and amplifier and the pet box, but now I'm gonna place an earth drive Mm -hmm. after it. Placing overdrives after fuzz pedals can create a really cool effect. Where the fuzz pedals tend to be very buzzy, the overdrive pedals, the right overdrive pedal anyway, will soften the signal in a really nice way. So you still get some of that fuzz sustain, but it takes a little bit of the buzziness away and it softens it. I would say, and it's a great technique sometimes to use and on, on gigs and on sessions to take a fuzz tone and just slightly round off the edges a little bit. Now I. I want to mention that the Marshall wasn't perfectly clean I was pushing the Marshall about halfway on this so there's some overdrive happening right from the amplifier and it's worth mentioning that fuzz pedals sound different depending on whether you're running them into a perfectly clean amp or you're running into a slightly driven or heavily driven amp don't assume that fuzz pedals are always going to sound better into a perfectly clean amp it's subjective but that's only one way that you could run fuzz pedals and quite honestly, they often sound a little better if the amp is starting to break up a little bit. Now, it's not a hard rule, that's my taste, but it's just an observation and I've noticed that sometimes people have a negative reaction to fuzz because they plug them straight into a clean twin reverb and it just doesn't sound like they expect it to sound. So uh, experiment and keep it in mind. Now, this is Marshall driven with the earth drive after the pep box. and Compositionally, I'm taking the original motive that we had, and I'm just applying it to a different mode. So for instance, the original motive was based around a minor pentatonic scale. I thought, well, how about I apply this to the Lydian mode to see how it changes the character. know if you've used modes a lot or spent some time exploring the tones of different modes then you already have a bit of an idea how this will change the expression of what you're playing I'm using Lydian and to me Lydian is a brighter mode I like to have the modes categorized from brightest to darkest I think the brightest is Lydian the next is Ionian which is just the major scale and then mixolydian we keep going down to the darkest which is Locrian if you transpose a motive into the Locrian mode, it's going to sound a lot darker than if it was in the Lydian mode. Now, this is the same motive transposed into the Lydian mode, meaning I looked at what the interval makeup was for the riff. It was 1 flat three four five right? So I applied the just basic uh, numbers of the intervals to the lydian mode i used one three four five and and lydian that would be one major three sharp four five i just took the same basic layout and superimposed it over the lydian mode very different personality to it doesn't it both in compositional content as well as the tonal variety and with tying in the earth drive i'm going to continue with the earth drive concept of placing a drive after a fuzz pedal i'm going to use a telecaster into the pet box into the earth drive and that's going to go into the victoria 35 115 and then later on i processed the lead line with the Korg SDD 3000, which is an early digital delay unit that has a very particular preamp in it and a really interesting modulation circuit. For the rhythm guitar, I used the neck pickup on the Telecaster, so the lead had the bridge pickup and the rhythm had the neck pickup. And later on, I processed that with the Valhalla Room Reverb. This departs a little more from our original motive, but it's still based on it. I laid out all the notes that were in the riff, just on the treble clef. I just wanted to see what they were. And they were E, G, A, B. And there's a D note in there. So I just laid them out. I'm treating this as an unordered pitch collection, meaning... I'm just selecting all the pitches that were in the melody line. I don't have to play them in order. I can use them in any combination. I spent some time thinking about you know, what intervals, chords, what relationships exist between all of these notes and trying different combinations. One of my mentors used to call this having coffee with your material. So just getting to know what is possible to be done. I found a couple of sixths within this pitch collection. And I built this melody line around two sixths. The first sixth was a minor sixth, the second one was a major sixth. And I used some notes in between, but they were notes that only existed in the pitch class, so I didn't add any notes that weren't part of our original motive. The rhythm guitar part is a very similar idea, I did play power chords, but I used the original movement of the, the bass line somewhat, you know, E, G, A, B, so it's a derivative of that, and only using the notes from the original motive to accompany the melody line. It's cool, the combination of the pep and the earth drive is silky, which I like, and the thing that's really great about the pet box too is it sits in such a great frequency range for the electric guitar. I really have to do very minimal work when I mix with the pet box. There's some fuzzes that I love, but they take up a lot of frequency range and although that might sound good when you're playing on your own, when you get into the mixing stage you have to go in and do some EQing and shaping in order to get it to sit in the right spot in the mix so it's stays audible but the pet box just like it's magically right centered in this spot where it just cuts through the mix beautifully. You can pull it back and put it in a really nice spot and not fight with it. The earth drive helps add a little more to the silky nature of the tone. Let's listen to the lead line with the delay solo. (laughs) You can hear the LFO on the SDD 3000 creating some warble in there. That's the modulation I was talking about. There's an adjustable LFO. Let's hear it with no effects. <coughs> I love the cool gatiness that you get from the pet box some of the early fuzz pedals and some of the tone benders and one of the features are the way that they gate some people might find them to not be a feature and be a detriment it depends on the application of course this is another thing that you have to put in your your memory library of sounds that you can associate for later uses right but the gatiness i really like and the thing about the pep box gate ish fuzz is that it's subtle and it's always very musical it's not very in your face and it adds a flavor to it but it never diminishes from the signal. You know, some companies have used the gating you know, as like an extreme effect, right for more experimental purposes. I think of the ZveX fuzz factory as an example of being able to use the gate in a very experimental way. This is gated, like in the early 60s style of fuzz and also allows the signal to drop like the, the release time to feel very fast when you stop playing a note. The pet box is just very musical and really creative in the way that it has its own natural quirks. Let's listen to the rhythm guitar part, which has more of a garagey like sound. I mentioned that I'm using the Valhalla room reverb with this. That was recorded with the Toll G12 microphone. Again, the pep box just sits so nicely in the mix and the way it sustains, and there's still some clarity within the chords and the notes too. I was just playing power chords in that, but I have experimented with playing full chords. And there's some definition to the notes, which is interesting. Some fuzz pedals will, you'll start to hear like the ring modulation style effect when you're playing maybe thirds too low, or even if you have thirds in the chords, right? They'll, they'll start to uh, weird out in an, it, what sometimes is a really fantastic, interesting way, but there are times when you pull in and play big open chords and it doesn't work with some fuzz pedals. But the Pep Box, it works wonderfully with, and again, it just centers itself in the mix. For this last example, I'm going to use the bass six part that I recorded earlier with the pet box. And I'm going to write a part on top of it that is using some of the principles of species counterpoint. One of the big concepts behind species counterpoint is that each of the lines has its own identity. It's on its own journey. But then there are rules as... I don't know. People use the term rules, but I feel like that has been misinterpreted. Rules in general music have been misinterpreted. The rules are nothing more than recipes or suggestions to get an expected result. So you can always do whatever you want, but there are times when you know what you wanna hear, and instead of randomly searching for them, understanding certain concepts of music theory allow you to apply that, what I'm calling a recipe, to get that result. Species counterpoint is one of these recipes. In this example, I use the bottom line, and then the top line is on its own journey, but there are certain key points, in particular, beats one and three that it's important to land on consonants we don't like to hear dissonance on beats one and three unless it's very intentional intentional and atonal experimental music there is a lot of room for doing whatever you want and creating tensions in so many different ways but it should also be said that people that make avant-garde or atonal music they're not just randomly using dissonances they're still thinking about how they're painting with those dissonances to create some forms of tension and release and that's what we want to have in music often is a balance of tension and release we create tension and release either through rhythm or we create it through form or we create it through tempo we create it through pitch harmonizations there's a lot of different ways that we can create tension and release with counterpoint we think a lot about the tension and release in relation to landing on strong beats and often we like to have consonants meaning non-tension on strong beats so i applied that to this example let's check it out I was using a Dan Electro DC9 with Gemini lipstick pickups in it and that was running into the pep box and then into a Vox AC-15. After the fact, I processed the guitar through a Lexicon LXP-1, which is a late 80s, early 90s digital reverb. I wanted more of an 80s reverb sound to just show another way that the pet box could be used in a non 60s type manner. Let's listen to just the electric guitar part, which is the Dano, the pep box, the Vox and the LXP-1 alone. I copied a snippet of the audio file, placed it before the beginning of the track, and then reversed it to get a little bit of a fade into the track, and we're hearing a little drop for a second where those two files connect. Let's listen to the pet box on its own now. That was the Vox AC15 mic'd with the Toll G12 again. I think you can hear through all these examples the difference that the variation of different guitars and amps and other effects changes the expression and hopefully demonstrates the variety of ways that this pedal can be paired in multiple genres of music. I am such a fan of the Pet box and the work that Lucy is doing and what her dad Pepe did. I really recommend that you go to her website and buy one, which is rushamps.com She's a small business just running it all on her own. She does all the marketing, all the construction, all the shipping and as I mentioned, she's carrying on a legacy which doesn't exist that much in our business anymore. Don't buy a copy. There are a couple of companies that have made unauthorized copies of them. One is from the British pedal company and gone as far to put the logo on it. And really, it's sketchy. Buy one and make sure it is from Rush Amps. You get a certificate when you buy hers, and you'll know it's the official Rush Pet Box. And the copies do not sound the same, no matter what kind of marketing hype VPC is putting on their website or saying, or anybody else is. It's not an exact replication. Why support them? which, by the way, is not much cheaper than supporting Lucy. Supporting Lucy ensures that she can still make these and supply them and give musicians access to the pure original tone of of what was the early days of fuzz. I'm not against companies making reproductions of pedals as long as I feel like they do it ethically. I love the Seeker Tone Bender MK1, but Mike Timpson from Seeker is not putting the Tone Bender name on it and trying to represent it as being the original, nor is Analog Man doing that to his Sunface pedals. He's not trying to pretend that it's the original company making them. And that's where I make the distinction and where I have an issue with companies like Seriotone Tone take it so far as to try to blur the line between the original and theirs. I feel like that's a misrepresentation. And plus, I feel like if you look into the BBC history, I've mentioned this in some of my blogs, there's some sketchy behavior that's happened there. I don't want this to turn into a rant about them, but I do think it's important to mention because they have been making pedals that are in the original enclosure and say Rush Pet Box on them which is a little horrifying to me. Be aware that as a consumer, Lucy's pedals aren't the easiest to find. You have to go to her website. I think Analog Man sells them as well. But you could buy direct from her. She'll ship them out fast. It's really, it's worth it. The quality is impeccable. If you open it up and look at the wiring inside, it's really first rate. So if you're a fuzz aficionado like I am, go out and get this fuzz pedal. You won't regret it. Well, that's it for episode 32 of Anatomy of Tone. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. It seems like no matter how much I try, I just can't make a short podcast. I always have a lot to say. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can like this on Apple Podcasts and leave me a review to help me climb up in the algorithm more it's a stupid system but it works that way I also have a webpage anatomyofguitartone.com where I will be releasing a print article with examples and a discussion about the pet box as well as other articles on gear and music production and lessons if you have any questions about anything I discussed in this podcast feel free to reach out to me there's a contact forum on anatomyofguitartone.com I also offer lessons in comp- composition, music theory, guitar, reach out to me and see if we'd be a good fit. Catch you next week.